Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Mikuchi, and you are listening to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we simply like to call the Jazz is Podcast, and is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz is editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. And today we're speaking with renowned pianist Adam Birnbaum, also known for his long-standing professional partnerships with the likes of Al Foster and Cecile McLaurin Salvant. In his most recent release, as a band leader, Birnbaum delves into the world of Johann Sebastian Bach, offering fresh modern trio takes of preludes from the first half of the classical composer's timeless, well-tempered clavier collection, featuring preludes and fugues in all 24 major and minor keys. This captivating album, aptly titled Preludes, serves as the centerpiece of our conversation, and we also discuss why Birnbaum believes this to be his most personal album to date. So fire up on Audiotini and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, it's a real pleasure to have you, uh, Adam. It's a real pleasure to talk with you. The way that I like to start these podcasts is by asking a little icebreaker question. And I wondered whether you had a memory from early life or childhood that you could share with us of when you distinctly remember awakening to the beauty and power of music. And maybe it's one of those memories when, you know, when you think back to it, you realize maybe that's, you know, when I started thinking I'd like to become a musician when I grew up. Do you have one such memory that you could share with us? Ah, it's a great question. I mean... We had a piano around the house and my parents are not musicians, but they had records and we were always listening to records, sometimes classical, sometimes jazz, sometimes the Beatles, all kinds of stuff. So I remember being immersed in all this different music when I was young and I didn't really distinguish one genre from the other. I was just hearing it all and just kind of soaking it in. I actually remember being really sick one time with a fever and sort of having this really, really intense experience listening to Rubenstein play the Chopin Nocturnes. And, you know, sometimes when you're in the, this delirious state, it heightens your sensitivity to certain things. And just, I just remember being so gripped emotionally by the music and so sort of deep inside it in a way in this weird state that I was in, that it was just almost transformative, you know, the, what the music did to me at that moment. So that's one particular kind of moment I remember still. I don't know how old I was, but I had such a vivid sort of reaction to music that I, I always remember that particular moment in my life. Uh, yes, uh, Rubenstein's recordings of, you know, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're kind of ranked as the, the quintessential versions of those particular pieces by Chopin, aren't they? I mean, I, I listen to them myself and I think they're just amazing. Yeah, you know, that's sort of like the benchmark for a lot of people. Of course, they've been, all those pieces have been recorded millions of times by now, but there's something special about those recordings he did, for sure. You mentioned jazz a little bit, but I'd love to know more about 
what it was about jazz that fascinated you, especially eventually as you, you know, started learning uh, to play music too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know much about jazz at all when I started learning music. Like I said, I just picked up stuff by ear and eventually I got teachers who taught me how to read and all that. I was introduced to jazz later in life, but it clicked right away. I think I was 12 maybe. And I went to like a music camp, a day camp, and there was a jazz class. All the pianists had to learn jazz there. And the second I went in there, they, he played a Miles Davis record and said, does anyone know what this is? And as soon as I heard that, I just knew there was something about it. Because I guess I had always played by ear initially. And so the idea of just kind of making things up was very natural to me. But I didn't actually really know the, the lineage and the history of jazz music at all. And so once I was introduced to it, that kind of started me on a path that never really ended. And what about improvisation? Did you you know, uh, did it come natural to you in those early days? Oh, yeah. My first piano teacher was would let me get away with murder. He would put music in front of me, ask me to read it. I would just kind of look at it and make up something. I was always improvising. That's how I started. The problem was I wasn't learning how to read and I wasn't learning discipline, which is also important. <laughs> so uh, he actually wasn't a great teacher, to be honest, but he would let me get away with everything. I would just kind of make something up very loosely based on the music in front of me. And he thought it was really super creative and he kind of encouraged it. Um, so yeah, that's improvisation was always very natural for me. Bringing into our conversation, your new album preludes, uh, have you always been uh, influenced in one way or another by the music of uh, Johann Sebastian Bach or, or is this mm -hmm. kind of the first project where you took it upon yourself to really, you know, delve into his musical world? and do a bit of research and experiment. No, I mean, I've been living with box music my whole life, as I think most people uh, would say the same. There's something universal about it. It's sort of where all music starts. You know, the preludes from the Well-Tempered Clavier is basically the first piece written in all 12 keys, showing the different colors all the keys can have, different moods. It's sort of the first modern music in a way, if you think about it. And most pianists spend their whole lives immersed with it. Obviously, there's been many other jazz musicians uh, play with the idea of using Bach um, as a launching point. So yeah, it's nothing. I, I've been playing around with the idea of this for a while, and it just finally came to a point where I felt like I had a, a whole album's worth of this material that worked, and I was ready to actually kind of document it and put it out there. You mentioned it a little bit. I mean, jazz and Bach there's a link there. Artists have kind of tried their hand at reinterpreting or reimagining his music uh, over the years. What do you think it is about that music that kind of lends itself to the jazz realm as well as it does? Uh, yeah, a lot of things. Baroque music was improvised. We all know that. Unfortunately, we don't have recordings of it, but Bach was an improviser and you gave him a chord progression, he could sit down and play for 20 minutes and make all kinds of magic out of a chord progression, just like we do nowadays. Um, so we know all of this, yet somehow classical music got into this sort of rut where people just play the notes on the page the same way every time. And I think especially with Bach, a lot of these the preludes that I chose for this album are sort of suggestions. They're like a, an idea or a seed, and he sort of develops it a certain way. But I have the sense that he could have sat down at the piano and developed it a million different ways. And every time he started, it would have gone in a different direction, maybe, you know, because we know that he was an improviser by nature. So to me, these are almost like frozen in time improvisations. This is what he conceived of at this one moment. But if he had another chance to play it again, if we had recordings, he might have played that prelude differently every single time. You know, that's how I think about it. 
So I'm fascinated with the idea of bringing the improvisatory element back to this music um, like it used to be originally. So in terms of reimagining these works, uh, how does it happen? Does it happen organically in the studio or is there like a process of kind of thinking about it more, thinking about in terms of how you would like for these pieces to sound, particularly when you take into consideration or does it come into consideration modern times, modern techniques and how the lineage of music at large has kind of evolved over the years? Yeah, I mean, all of these arrangements, to a certain extent, involve some kind of preparation of me thinking about the original work, playing around with it, tweaking different aspects of it, and just really taking some time to see how could I tweak this without losing the essence of what it is, but make it a vehicle for modern jazz improvisation. Um, so one basic theme is almost all the pieces, I kind of preserve the straight eighth note quality of them, because box music is mostly perpetual motion with steady streams of eighth notes. And I guess one of the common devices I use is by dropping an eighth note or two, I'm able to turn it from eight to seven or from 12 to 11 or things like that, um, which brings it kind of right into the modern jazz realm that we live in, which we play all kinds of grooves with different time signatures. And they're kind of all reminiscent of music from different parts of the world. And with Keita and the way he plays the percussion so colorfully, these Bach pieces quickly become sort of like, uh, you know, some of them sound like kind of Latin flavored. Some of them you could say maybe like Argentinian or Peruvian rhythms, um, just from all the different instruments and colors he brings to the grooves. And uh, that's all just Bach. I didn't really change that much except just basically drop one note out of each phrase, more or less, to just put it in a different uh, type of a groove from what he originally imagined. The track you are hearing is from Adam Birnbaum's latest album, Preludes, available now on Chelsea Music Festival Records. We'll resume our conversation with the artist in a moment, but first I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz A's, jazzaise.com and these Jazz A's podcasts. Go to jazzaise.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now, back to our conversation with Adam Birnbaum. Just in general, I also wanted to ask you about the trio setting. And uh, yeah, why it is that you chose to, to play the music in this setting and what it allows you to do uh, when reimagining the uh, the music of Bach, the preludes of Bach? Well, of course, you know, the piano trio format is, you know, quite a classic setup. Um, but I think this one's a little bit different. I think bass is absolutely vital to it for me because Bach writes such incredible bass lines and his harmony is so clear and structured that in order for me to kind of fly on top and be able to do all the creative things I want to do, I need that rooting of the baseline. And so Matt's kind of the perfect guy. He knows he's a very mature and uh, seasoned player. And he knows like uh, how to just kind of hold down his end of the, th the thing while I go off, you know. Um, 
he's a very, let's say, selfless uh, contributor to the trio. And for drums, you know, traditionally, I wanted a different sound than a traditional drum set here because I wasn't hearing like a full-on jazz drum sound. And Keita, I've collaborated with him on several things, and I thought he'd be perfect for this. Um, and he would bring a totally different element, percussive element, but more in a like a quiet dynamic and more of like a chamber music setting in certain ways um, to allow some of the delicacy of the, the stuff that Bach wrote not to get kind of swallowed up in something that's too drum heavy. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, Cecile McLaurin Savant, uh, who we of course have collaborated with, I heard she loved the album and even contributed a painting of hers to it, the cover artwork. Is, yeah, is that well, right? she did all the all the album art is hers. Yeah, so she's also a great artist. I don't know if you've seen uh, Melissa Aldana's record uh, came out a couple of years ago. She she did the album art for that as well. So yeah, other in addition to being a great vocalist, Cecile is sort of multi talented at almost anything she does. So um, she's also yeah a painter. Uh, I think she knits and does all kinds of other stuff too. So yeah, I was really happy that she could contribute the album art. And I think it's really whimsical and provides a nice kind of perspective on the whole project, you know. Prelude is a great album, but I wanted to reflect on the importance of this record within your discography up to, up to this point. Do you see this record as one that fits into your discovery so far? I mean, do you feel that it's, it's more a continuation of your work up to this point or a marked new direction uh, of what's to come for you? I mean, conceptually, it may seem very different from other stuff I've done. But actually, the interesting thing is, I think, on this album, in a way, by digging back and uh, arranging Bach, in a way, I think it's my most personal album to date in terms of me sounding like myself in a more honest way. Um, so it may sound backwards to say that, you know, going back and digging to Baroque music and trying to make it into jazz makes you more yourself. But somehow the, I think that that's kind of what this project did. So I'm, I'm happy with the results. I mean, my last record was straight ahead trio record with Al Foster and Doug Weiss, which was sort of documenting a, a relationship we had for many years playing together all the time. And I'm very proud of that record too, but two totally different trio records. Right. So I guess I'm interested in kind of not, you know, how people say get typecast as one certain type of player. I like so many different things in music and even just in jazz, it's there's so many possibilities. So I think my next project will probably be something totally different too. You know, um, I'm not so interested in just putting out a record every year with the same trio, with you know, new standards arranged, but just like the last one. I kind of like the idea of just uh, trying different things each time. I'm curious, is there anything in particular that is interesting you right now and that you feel like you will be pursuing maybe with the, with the next project of yours? I haven't really gotten that far yet, to be honest, because this is just coming out and we're just starting to book this project for various uh, performances and stuff. So, I mean, I have at this point uh, a decent collection of compositions that haven't actually been recorded. I've played them on gigs here and there. So most likely it'd probably be a sort of collection of some of my most recent compositions for uh, probably a larger ensemble, if I had to guess, quartet, quintet. I've done a couple of things like that with Ingrid Jensen and Dana Stevens and John Ellis and some different people. Um, so that's probably where I'll go for my next project, but I don't really have that confirmed right now. 
Interesting. We'll watch this space. I also wanted to ask you, uh, in terms of live performances, what's the plan? Uh, you know, uh, have you got a schedule set up for touring dates that you could share with us? So, yeah, we just finished the CD release tour and we just played in Connecticut at the side door. Then we played in Boston at Scholars and we played on Monday night this past Monday at Mesro in New York. And those were great. We packed the clubs that were super successful shows. We don't have anything in the works right now. So we're kind of, as the album's coming out, we're sort of going to start setting stuff up. And one thing I'm excited about with this project is we already have some interest from chamber festivals and uh, non-traditional jazz venues, which is meaning, sorry, non-jazz venues. Um, because I think this project, while it does appeal to jazz musicians, and we just played it at Mesro in New York, and it was super fun. But I think it also appeals to a wider audience of music lovers who know these pieces because they're so iconic and famous, and almost every pianist has played some of these when they were a kid. Um, so I'm excited to bring this to other venues like uh, classical chamber music festivals and places like that. So we're just beginning to kind of look into the possibilities um, but I think this will probably have a fairly long life in terms of touring and performing um, because it will appeal to a wide range of people. Yeah, I totally agree. It definitely has that power to appeal to a wide range of people, as you said. But yeah, how can people keep up, keep up with the news? Are you active on social media? Is there a website that you could share that people can keep up with everything like touring schedules or upcoming mm -hmm. releases? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I... I have social media, Instagram is Adam Birnbaum Piano, Facebook page, the same name, Adam Birnbaum Piano. And I have my website, it's just myname.com. And as much as I can, I try to keep those regularly updated. Been pretty on top of the social media lately with the release. I've been trying really hard to keep that updated. But um, the website, you know, sometimes it's, it's some gigs come in and you don't have time to get them on there. But those are the best places to keep up to date on what's happening. We do have some stuff booked for the Preludes project in the next couple of years, but it's a little bit far away for announcing it yet. So just keep your eyes open, I guess. We certainly will. Adam, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks very much for joining us on the Jazz's podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. enjoyed our conversation with Adam Birnbaum and I remind you that his latest album Preludes is available now and if you love jazz and vinyl be sure to check out our Jazz Ace Vinyl Club join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you just go to jazzace.com and click on join vinyl club for more and as music from Preludes by Adam Birnbaum plays us out I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Ace podcasts our print magazine and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website jazzes.com and if you like what you see you can always subscribe for more till the next time this is matt mccucci signing off see you soon <laughs>